I'm so ready for more shenanigans. More shenanigans. Hey guys, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us again. I'm Elle. And I'm Ashlyn. We are Lovey Cosplay. And this is Shit Cosplayers Say. Episode two. Woohoo! Does this mean we're really doing this thing? I, I guess if we made a second episode. Which if we made a second episode, that means that my computer did not delete episode one. Or it means it did delete episode one, but we went ahead and re-recorded it anyways. It's fine. Dunce cap. <laughs> Dunce cap for my tiny computer. Yes, it's good. Speaking of good, we already talked about how previously you submitted to Crane Championships. Yay. And you're supposed to find out soon if you got in. How is progress on Harley going? So all my major construction was already completed. So I'm mostly just gluing rhinestones for days. More disco ball. Uh, she will legit look like a disco ball. So what you're saying is I need to take the flashlight on my phone yes. and just like shine her off of you so I can blind people. Yes. It's like a weapon. I'll just go to the rave and spin around. Oh, good. I can legit be a disco <laughs> you ball. You won't need to spin. You can just stand there and the lights can just bounce off of you. <laughs> oh, good. Just like that. Yep. Just like that. <laughs> That's the plan. That's it. That's they it. They don't need music. They don't need music. Elle's just going to stand in the middle in the dark with random <laughs> lights on her <laughs> making her own beats. Yes. Elle's going to drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yes. What we're gonna do. It <laughs> sounds like a great <laughs> Downside to working ahead, which we've had happen multiple times, particularly with me for some reason. You'd think it would be me. You would because you're curvier than I am, mm -hmm. but my weight actually fluctuates quite a bit and I am legit just like straight up and down. But for some reason, like where my weight is will be different depending on the week. It makes you sound like a jello. It does make me sound like jello. I don't like it. Maybe I'm made of jello <laughs> and you just don't know. Oh no. <laughs> now I'm getting like terrible flashbacks to one of the MMOs I play where they have these evil gelatinous cubes. That's exactly what I am. You just didn't know. <gasps> I hate those. <laughs> gelatinous cubes. No, I don't like it. <laughs> Stop. So most of the time, my costumes are very adjustable, but every once in a while, they're not adjustable enough. I like to give Elle toddler pants. Yes, most of my costumes have like that elastic band in the back so that my pants can be bigger or smaller, depending toddler on what's pants. happening. Yes, toddler pants. Toddler pants. <laughs> but Harley can't have toddler pants. That's because Harley doesn't have pants. She's got booty shorts. But those aren't pants. She could have toddler booty shorts. Which just sounds wrong. That Yeah. No. I need to fix those too. They're also too big. Well, that's because you're fluctuating. I know. It'll be okay. I'm going to put darts in them and then watch they're going to up too big. Butt darts? Yes, I do actually have to make butt darts. Oh, good. Wigwig will appreciate my butt darts, hopefully. Yes. One of the few people that you'd be like, here, look at my butt darts. I, I would that are hidden underneath my costume that you can't see. I will totally lift my skirt for Sky Pirate so she can see my butt darts. Yes, she will appreciate your butt darts. Yes, she will. She's the only person I know who can truly appreciate a good butt dart. Yep. <laughs> if you appreciate butt darts, feel free to email us at podcastscs at gmail.com. I will be more than happy to show you my butt darts. Yep. <laughs> that sounds like, like a, a terrible pickup line. You're like, hey, hey, you want to see my butt darts? <laughs> Look at us in our advanced tailoring terms.
So there's a reason that Crown has you submit way before the contest, but at the same time, not too far in advance. And that is to prevent the hell known as Con Crunch. <gasps> Sounds like cereal. Yes. <laughs> con Crunchy cereal. Oh, do we need a jingle for that too? Yes. Good, good. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> <laughs> is it going to go and cosplay the musical? <laughs> no. Yes. Excellent. (laughs) Crown's requirement, because we're not doing musical right now, Crown's requirement is that you must have at least 75% of your costume completed prior to submission, but they they prefer more like 90 and above. Right. And their submission deadline's about a month Month before the show. And that is to try to guarantee that they don't have the issue of people not finishing their costumes and then dropping out. Right. Because it is a juried show, which means you would be taking away a spot from potentially somebody that is going to be done. What they're trying to do, essentially, by having those rules is prevent the horrible habit that many of us have of waiting until the last minute to finish our entire costume. You mean like that one time, like several, several years ago that... We legitimately, like, I sewed an entire costume in your mom's basement the day before the con. The one time? In your mom's basement. Yeah, in my mom's basement. (laughs) Our biggest New Year's resolution this year is no Con Crunch 2020. It's a good plan. Because Con Crunch just kills your soul. Um, I have this really bad thing that if I do Con Crunch, um, especially with sewing, I get a pinched nerve. Sometimes, even if it wasn't during con crunch time, if I was sewing a lot all at once, I would end up with the same thing. And I just, my body physically can't do that anymore like I could when I was 16. So if you don't know what con crunch is or what this term we bless is you. referring to, bless you, first of all, because that means you're way ahead of most of us. Um, but what it means is you're waiting until really close to the con to smash everything in that you need to get done for that convention so for some people it's not necessarily costumes but other things as well our experience with it is more that crunching a cosplay Mm -hmm. and trying to smash like a ton of work into a short period of time right think of it as cramming for an exam Yes. Where you wait and you pull that all nighter to try to get what you should have done in like weeks worth of time within like 24 to 48 hours right instead of taking like an hour a day or 20 minutes here and there to study for said exam you're like oh well it's the same amount of time obviously i'm gonna be the same amount of efficient if i do it all at once so then what happens is you end up running into not only extreme fatigue lack of sleep lack of eating, but you also increase the likelihood that you're going to get very sick. Right. All within that span of time due to the excessive amount of stress mentally and physically that you are putting on your body. Well, and then you're adding conflict on top of that. So ultimately, I think a lot of people do end up getting sick because of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, our last big con, I totally ended up sick by the end of it. Yeah, you did. And I'm sure that was a lot due to stress and the intensity of that convention. Yeah, I could see that, definitely. Mm-hmm. There would have been no way that I would have been able to do what I've done on Harley if I hadn't started like a year ago. Because 
my anxiety levels would have prevented me from getting her done if I would have felt like I was rushed. Had I tried to start that three months ago, there would have been no way because I needed to give myself that time to step away from the costume and come back, which you cannot do with Concrunch. I mean, it just doesn't... It's bad for you guys, but I know so many of you love some to people, do Concrunch. Some people, like, strive, I think. Well, and that's true. On they're... the on the rush like yeah you, it's almost the like adrenaline a, rush yeah you get an adrenaline rush from it and the other thing that i think that happens a lot is that even though as we've previously discussed if it can go wrong it will go wrong not enough goes wrong to the point where people are like you know maybe i shouldn't do this anymore and so we i mean we know a lot of cosplayers who have messaged us over the last couple years going i'm gonna join you in no con crunch and then i'll get a message like two months later going i already failed it didn't work because honestly, our resolution for 2019 was also was no con crunch. We tried. We almost made it. We made it so close. And I try to be a realist. And for a lot of things, I will be. But I also have that like, well, this could be perfect. And if it's perfect, then under these circumstances, it's 100% going to work out the way I want it to. And then it never does. But that's why we're making some changes this year, like me becoming more comfortable with sewing to prevent crunching. Why we're working on Harley and Ivy now, right. and no one's going to see them again till maybe May. Right. You know, why we're not planning another large set, because we have a current large set that we need to do revisions on. Yes. We are trying to be more realistic and not con crunch and not cause us the undue stress that was Yomacon 2019. Oh goodness. We shall tell you a tale <gasps> of a Halloween weekend of old. Do we need to turn out the lights and get flashlights? Everybody turn out your lights and put flashlights under your faces. Oh good. <laughs> because we are going to tell you the horror tale. It is a horror story. Of Yomacon 2019. Total disclaimer. The con's great. The staff's great. But our our tale <laughs> of how we got there is atrocious. Listen, friends, to the haunting tale of Halloween weekend 2019 in Detroit, Michigan. Dun, dun, dun. At Yomacon 2019. <laughs> and the international cosplay competition. This harrowing tale of terror <laughs> and intrigue. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, in 2019, oh good, <laughs> we attended the international cosplay competition held during the masquerade. Uh, Yomacon is a rather large anime convention in Detroit, Michigan. It's always Halloween weekend. This particular year. They had the opportunity to compete for Cosplay World Masters, which was a solo competition. Solo craftsmanship plus performance. The Clara Cows Cosplay Cup, also known as C4, which is a duo performance and craftsmanship competition. And then the International Cosplay League, which has a solo craftsmanship competition and then a duo performance and craftsmanship competition. We decided that 
the next step in our cosplay journey would be to attempt to do an international competition. And we totally would have loved to have participated in 2018, just with everything that was going on with our real lives and the time that was given for us. We didn't have anything to crank out anything new. No. And nothing to the caliber that we think that we would have wanted to present at an international preliminary. So we're like, well, we can't do it this year, but we're definitely going to do it next year. So we actually started prep and planning even before Yomacon. I mean, I had already put some stuff that I wanted, some resources, some like base shoes, some books and things that I wanted for research on my Christmas list even that year um, early, just so we could get a head start on everything. I remember I was sitting in jury duty in like January and going to the library on my lunch break to research some of the stuff that we talked about just because wanted to get a jump start on it yeah. so that we w- could avoid con crunch. When you do one of these internationals, it's basically like doing a Broadway show in two and a half minutes. So you are expected to have a skit that you've put together, professional audio, typically some sort of video that goes with your performance, as well as a full set. So it legit is a full theatrical production in two and a half minutes. Can I get a refrigerator for my skit? Not for this one. (laughs) Okay. I guess the refrigerator could have been the Goda that didn't light up. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll get to that. One of the hardest things about these kind of competitions is coming up with something that's going to translate to your audience, whether or not they know the source material. And we have a habit of picking older source material for our competition choices because it's just preference. Ultimately, like, the goal is that you don't have to redo the whole thing in between. I know some people, that's their preference. Some countries, that's pretty, like, standard for them to go ahead and do the same thing in the preliminary that they do in the finals. But I would rather take something that's really good and make it better than have to do something now and then do something completely different from scratch. So we definitely wanted to choose something that we were going to want to stick with for a duration of a year. That was also going to have a good opportunity at playing well at either international competition. Because as we mentioned before, ICL is in Spain, and then C4 is in the Netherlands. And they have different rules, so we need to make sure that we're within the time and set requirements, prop requirements, costume requirements of both of them so that we're eligible potentially for either one. Right. So like in this case, we had to go with the two and a half, even though ICL is actually three, because we needed to make it work for both C4 and ICL during preliminary. Right. And we also had to keep in mind, um, I believe C4 is the one with more restrictive set limitations yes. as far as the number of pieces you're allowed in the size. Yes, it is because of that one winner they had that had the ginormous set. It was so good. But the set was humongous it was broadway sized it was broadway sized and it was great it was great but they did change the rules and so they do have limitations as far as how big that kind of stuff so ultimately though we had to make sure that we were going to be able to fit the criteria for both contests if we wanted a shot at both and then you also have to keep in mind that if you do win you're going to need to be able to transport these costumes and your set overseas right I mean, it's not like us just driving to Detroit. Like, you're going to have to make sure that this package is well and that it can survive a plane trip. You know, ideally, if you're going to spend that much time, you're going to try to have it as much at that level as possible at the preliminary. Mm -hmm. So you're not redoing everything afterward. Yes. 
as much as we tried, we had a lot of struggles getting this particular set done. So we'll put photos of them on our Instagram, which is, again, instagram.com slash podcast SCS. Ultimately, we chose Judar and Kogyoku Ren from Magi Labyrinth of Magic. Is a good time. It's based off of um, the old Arabic tales. Thousand and One Nights, a little bit of Sinbad Mm -hmm. in there. A little bit of everything. It's a good time, though. I would definitely recommend reading or watching the source material. Um, it was still on Netflix last time I checked. Mm-hmm. So we definitely went with the the villain and innocent princess dynamic for this and ultimately chose to do a parody from Into the Woods, which is a really fun musical that we both love. Parodied Hello Little Girl, which is the Big Bad Wolf song from Into the Woods with these two characters because... Judar is very almost chaotic neutral. I would agree. In his personality where he just doesn't give a shit about anyone else. He just wants to see what's going to happen when he does what he wants. Which made him perfect against Princess Kogyoku Ren, who is very innocent and naive and easily manipulated. She gets brainwashed so many times. She does! It's like, oh child, why? It's canon. She gets brainwashed. But with that came a lot of research. They are actually based off of historical costumes, the designs. So Judar is based off of traditional Indian garments, where Kagyoku Ren is based more off a hanbok. Yes, which is Korean. Well, and then Ashlyn actually did a hanbok. Yeah, so the one thing that we decided to do with these particular um, costumes, which added a complexity level and some, it caused some issues for us later on, is that we actually based the garments off of their, not just the source material from the anime and the manga, but also their historical counterparts. So we actually did some research on Langatolis and the other accessories that kind of go with that particular garment we ordered supplies from india for some of the trims and some of the silks that we used we also chose to use all natural fabrics so everything is either silk cotton or rayon which is a synthetic natural fiber that added a little bit of an extra element so same thing with the hanbok i actually made like my seven layer skirt um underskirt that goes underneath and Everything is cottons and silks. And again, some of those same trims that we got from the store in India, I used there as well and made it based off of more of a traditional hanbok pattern as opposed to doing strictly from the source material with the anime. I also ordered this amazing embossed Korean vintage silk from the 1950s. It's so pretty. It's so pretty. It's probably my favorite thing about the costume. And I was so excited when I found it. But that was a whole extra level of added stress and trying to figure this out. We had ordered some silks and tried to dye some things, and it didn't quite work out the way that we wanted it to. I would pick out a fabric that I really liked, and then by the time that I was ready to order it, they would have sold out or stopped carrying that color. That's probably the biggest struggle, I think, that we have where we're geographically located, is the fact that we can't just run to, like, the fabric district or... Uh, like a textile warehouse or anything like because our closest like legit textile warehouse is still close to three hours away Mm -hmm. from l and we're about an hour apart and even if we do go there there's no guarantee that they're going to have exactly what we want because they're very much wholesale but 
at the same time, it's kind of a hodgepodge and you never quite know what you're going to get when you go there. So everything pretty much had to be ordered on the internet. I mean, in general, like we even have to order really basic fabrics on the internet sometimes. We're kind of located smack in the middle of the Midwest. But as Ash mentioned, our closest large cities are predominantly three hours away. I've even had to order things as simple as like cotton sateen because our only local option is Joanne Fabrics and our particular Joanne's caters more to the quilting population than the garment population. That's the same for where I'm located too is that where I am all we have are either quilter shops or general craft stores and those craft stores in particular are targeted towards the quilting demographic which of course is going to have other types of materials than what we're going to need for cosplay. So one of the things that gets us is we don't have the option to just like run out and grab something. We have to plan way in advance for all our supplies that we need. Like even things as simple as like buying rhinestones has to be planned in advance because we can't just get them here. Yeah, there's nowhere to go and just run and grab some. So that's always been a struggle for us, but for this per particular project it was worse than normal particularly from ordering overseas and having things not show up or having things run out after we place our order right or things that didn't quite work out the way that we had hoped that they were going to work out actually my entire like overshirt that I had ended up making is not the fabric that I had intended on purchasing to begin with for the simple fact that I had picked out swatches well in advance I had planned everything out and when I went to go order it they didn't actually even carry the color that I wanted in the fabric anymore so I was kind of stuck between a rock and hard place at that point and really running out of time where I can go ahead and make sure that I'm going to have enough time to do everything later um I mean it ended up we'll get to the the end of the story here and I mean we made it work um and that's sometimes just what you have to do is you have to take what you have available and see what you can do and make it work the best you can well I mean that was the same with your wig I had a ponytail wig as the base which the company that I got it from no longer makes it in that color so I couldn't really even get something different but as we were working with it it definitely was not working the way that we wanted it to regardless of how much I altered it And we just had to roll with it because needing to order everything means we don't have time for me to start over. We just had to make it work. Right. Well, and then the other struggle that we run into, especially with some of this stuff, is like, I took a gamble on my vintage fabric. I bought it from Etsy, from a store that sells antiques. I bought it from an antique shop, essentially, this roll of fabric. And if it didn't work, I was just going to be out all that money. And my biggest hurdle that I noticed once we started getting into it was, all right, well, now I need to wait a little bit. I don't want to just throw it all on a credit card. So, well, I'm going to wait till I get paid again so I have the expendable income in order to order the next thing. So ordering things in stages definitely was part of it. No one wants to know how much we actually spent on these. I don't want to know. I don't want to know either. We stopped counting after a while because it got a little terrifying. I have the, like, receipts hanging out together, but I just refuse to add them up on principle because I don't really want to. I don't want to know. It was a lot. The plus point is we're not mad at these, even though they were very stressful, even though they killed, what, three sewing machines? Let's see, both sergers needed done and both sewing, three sewing machines and two sergers were victims from this project. But like legit, your sewing machine died. 
Yes, and my other one needs service to, like, something fierce. And we learned that my Viking sews crooked. The funny part about that is I've always thought that I just can't sew straight. I do have issues with my hands at times. I have a bit of a joint condition, so sometimes my hands don't cooperate. And I just thought it was just me not having good control over the fabric. And so I take my 20-year-old Viking in to get serviced, and I find out from the technician that the feed in older Vikings eventually will go bad, and you'll start to sew on an angle. It's like when the alignment in your tires and yeah. the car goes off, where it always wants to kind of veer off to one side. That's what her sewing machine has been doing for who knows how long. At least for the last five years, since we restarted all of the things. So I ended up getting a brand new machine over Black Friday. So I have now switched to Brother instead of Viking. Not that there's anything wrong with Vikings. Sponsor us. Oh, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be the shit. <laughs> Brother, I will talk about how much I love this machine for days if you sponsor us. <laughs> but I did get one of their higher end machines and this thing sews like a dream. It doesn't even make a sound when it sews. Does it purr like a kitten? It actually does purr. Like, when you turn it on, it It's it not purrs. like my, my older brother, where it sounds like a jet engine taking off. Your little machine does sound like a jet engine taking off. To be fair, it's really old, and when I bought it... It, was... it um, tries to bounce off the table now. It does do that. Yes. yes. It, it's very aggressive. It sews very aggressively. It is. Which was also a struggle with this, because we had to actually play hopscotch with our machines back and forth, which I have... Two sewing machines plus the serger, and she at the time just had the one machine plus the serger, the one that sewed crooked. And my machines kept trying to eat the fabric. So I'm like trying to sew. Nom, nom, nom. Well, and I have a lot of cotton layers, thankfully. So I'm sewing all this cotton, and because if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. Ultimately, there will be issues with the stitching for whatever reason, with like the tension would move whenever it was bouncing off the table like it wanted to, or um, the feed was just not sitting quite right. It really probably just needs, like, thrown away at this point. I don't even think I would gift it to anybody. Like, it's just... Well, it's not worth fixing. It's it's old and sad. So I guess if somebody wanted to, like, tinker with it, like, maybe that would be a good recycled use of it. If somebody wanted to put in the effort for it. We can give it away as a prize at Shit Cosplayers Say the, the Live Show. I don't... I was gonna say, I don't want to ship that. Um, <laughs> Who wants our old brother machine that doesn't work? You don't, I promise. But ultimately, like, I was afraid to sew, like, with the expensive fabrics because I was having to constantly restitch all these items. And of course... Because of the caliber of competition that we were going into and setting these high expectations on ourselves, if I had stitches that weren't doing what they were supposed to, I had to take the entire length of the stitch out. If it was only like two inches that messed up, I completely took out the whole thing, even if it was my yards and yards and yards of underskirt, because ugh, it was it was a lot. And then the um, velvet didn't want to sew to your silk either. <gasps> yes. So they're both slidey fabrics to begin with, but it just did not want to sew straight. Like I tried basting it first and it just, it was a struggle. The fabrics did not want to cooperate. I actually ended up making like silk bias tape, silk velvet bias tape to go on the edges of my Duponi silk as a, a decoration. And it just, it was not interested in living there. Because we had to use what, like Stitch Witch? Something like that? To get yeah. To... I actually had to end up using um, hem tape. I bought hem tape and ended up hem taping 
everything down before I stitched it just so it would physically stay in place. Because regardless of how many pins I used, even when we tried to sew it by hand, it would move around too much and we'd end up having to take all of it. Oh, it hated the world. Yes, it did. Which is... It made me hate the world. Well, yeah, and this is part of how we ended up, even though we started like a year in advance, still sewing up to the day before we had to leave. We don't want to talk about that. Well, and at my job, we get certain days that we're allowed. We're only allowed to take paid time off. We're not allowed to take unpaid time off. So I had saved some of these days and some of these days that we can schedule whenever we want for whatever purpose. They're, they're called personal days and you can kind of take what I had actually, I believe, taken between vacation days, holidays, and these personal business days. I probably took about an extra week off of work that I wasn't planning on between August and October just to have extra days for us to work on issues that we were having, whether it be with fit, with sewing, with problems with the recording. Speaking of the recording, Elle had voice issues. Heard the song, The Big Bad Wolf is definitely the primary um, singer in this particular song. So Elle had to do most of the singing, but was having voice issues with, from like a sinus infection. I was or... sick for like four months. Yes. And then we're also trying to sing. I mean, I'm an alto anyway, but I'm trying to sing in like my lowest possible range, which was a struggle when I'm super congested. But then still, you know, have all of that emotion be able to seep through and not just sound like you're trying to talk in a manly voice the whole time. The skits actually on our website if mm -hmm. you go there you can lavicosplay.com we can also throw a link straight to it in the instagram post we decided with instagram for episodes is there'll be a post per episode so you'll see a little square that says like episode two and then if you flip through all the things that relate to that episode will be in that one post yeah so any notes that you guys are gonna need um as far as that we're gonna throw on social media we'll go ahead and put in those posts so there's no spoilers unless you read through it after we've warned you just now but otherwise any of the relative content that we're talking about here we'll go ahead and throw in you know you hear my voice right now and then if you go and listen to that skit which happens frequently with skits anyway because i can throw my voice around quite a bit you're gonna be like how l used to train voice actors i did when I worked in talent management in New York, um, I used to do some voice acting. It actually sounds like the video game I was working for is getting started again too now. Oh, that's exciting. But you'll be able to hear where my voice goes for that, but how low of a register that was, even with me having kind of a low voice for a woman anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a challenge to sing in that range. I'm not the trained singer of our group either. That's more Ash. So it was quite a bit of a struggle. And then we had an added struggle of trying to find someone to then auto-tune our file. Yes. Um, because we got a request to auto-tune it, which in the end actually was a really good suggestion. Real auto-tuning doesn't mean that someone goes in and completely changes your voice. They just smooth things out a little bit. So if you lost your pitch here and there, if your levels are a little bit off. A little rough around the edges to kind of soften it up. Yeah, they just kind of smooth things out for you if they know what they're doing. People who don't know what they're doing will overdo it, typically is what happens. I got very lucky and realized a family friend is a sound technician and he was able to. That's probably actually the best thing about us getting the auditor request is we realize now that we have this resource available that we didn't even think of before. 
Thank you again, Dan. We'll be contacting you soon. Yes, thank you. We have more uh, skits for you too. Auto-tune for us in the future. Thanks in advance. Yeah. Um, The other request that came up with the AV stuff is we had known that there was a video component. And so I had found a stock video that we were able to use. We wanted to use it as like kind of a gimmick. Maggie Labyrinth of Magic has magic in it. So we wanted to use it for one of our magic tricks. No. I know, right? (gasps) Spoiler alert. There's magic in Maggie the Labyrinth of Magic. Shockingly. So Judar is a magician. He's a Maggie. And he can do magic. So he can do magic. So we wanted to use one of the tricks that we were doing on the video screen. Actually, um, for those of you that are familiar, they have a line that says the sun won't set for hours in the original song. So what we did is we started more at dusk where it was a little bit darker and it was just a skylight skyline. And then whenever he says the sun will set for hours, I actually was able to edit the video to go backwards. It was a time-lapse video, so I edited it to go backwards so that the sun reverted back to more of a midday, which is just like a little, just something kind of fun. And we're like, we don't want to make it the focal point of the video. Like, the video is not important. If they don't play the video or if there's a problem with the video, like, it's not going to matter. But ultimately, we want to have something there that enhances right. the performance on the stage. Well, we don't we don't want it to be the performance. We just want it to enhance the performance. Well, and they made a really good suggestion of us putting subtitles yes. on the video, which is something you have to do anyway for finals because not everyone is going to speak English. And it's not necessarily something we had considered doing right that second. So it was kind of a last minute thing that we had to figure out how to do. We hadn't done it before. We had to work that extra time that that was going to take to go ahead and map out line by line, second by second, where each subtitle goes, how much each subtitle takes up on the screen, how big they're going to be, how long each line stays on. There's a lot of extra work that maybe people don't realize has to go into planning that all out line by line. So definitely kudos to people that do that on a regular basis because that was quite the learning adventure right there. It was, but we made it to the weekend only to have a snowstorm at the end of October. Yes. So it is Halloween and it is about eight o'clock in the morning, you know, getting ready to go. Elle is actually not too far out of the way for me to go like on the way there. So I was driving to Elle and then we're going to drive Elle's vehicle to Detroit. I am always one of those people that's like, these people are in the ditch. This is Illinois. We get snow every year. The roads get crappy every year. I was one of those people that was in the ditch. It's like 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm maybe 10, 15 miles from home. I hit a patch of black ice. I'm going under the minimum speed limit because there is snow and ice on the ground. And I totally recognize that. But I'm going down the interstate under the speed limit and hit a patch of black ice. I knew it's going to happen. Did what I could to try to prevent it. But you just kind of know if you've ever been in that situation. Go off and run smack dab into a tree. And this was not, like, a minor accident. Oh, no. I totaled my car. You also bruised yourself, like, purple and blue. Oh, yes. I have photos. You won't see them. No, you won't see those. You won't see them. But I have them. It was bad. It was really bad. 
I have a great app on my phone that we pay extra for a service for where it'll give you crash notification. And of course, I'm on the phone with 911. My phone had actually died before I left the house. So the only charge it had was from my house up until this point. So maybe only 10, 15 minutes, I guess maybe 20 at that point. But that's while my GPS was running, while my podcast app was running and everything else. I'm terrified that all of these people in my family just got this notification that I was in a car accident and are going to be freaking out and try to call me, but I'm on the phone with 911. And it takes me a good 20 minutes to figure out how I can get out of my 911 call while I'm still on 911 and text people to be like, hey, I was in an accident, but I'm okay. And yeah, the one thing that really did bother me about this whole thing, though, is I was by myself for over 20 minutes and not one person pulled over to see if I was okay, which just really shocked me. Like, I mean, I guess I've never really thought about it. Not one person checked to see if I was okay. Well, because, but, so the unfortunate part is, though, because of the world that we live in, your first thought is, is it going to be safe for me to pull over and help this person? Absolutely. Which is really unfortunate. It's really tragic. And I'm not going to get on my soapbox about this. We'll, we'll have a episode of that nature at some point. Of soapboxes. Of soapboxes. Like, that's why I've never thought of stopping to, like, help anyone is because, especially on Interstate 80, out where we are, there's actually a string of people that will do that on purpose for, like, human trafficking. That's terrifying. Yeah. So that might be why no one stopped, is because of the world that we live in. But ultimately, there was a very nice officer that came. Um, he graciously did not <laughs> write me any tickets because I did no damage to actual property other than my own. Paramedics did make me get out of the car and go sit with them in the ambulance, partially probably to keep me warm and also just to kind of like monitor how I was speaking. When I was looking at certain things, they definitely were paying attention. I know enough people in the medical field to kind of recognize when I'm being analyzed. Oh yeah, they're looking for, for concussion and mm-hmm. things of that nature. Yeah, but they were very low-key about it. Like they didn't make me sit there and like take my blood pressure or everything and they're like, ultimately, I think you're fine. You're going to be bruised. I don't think you necessarily need to go to a hospital, but feel free to, you know, follow up with your healthcare provider, which I did. Once I figure out how to use my my messaging app while I'm on the phone with a 911 lady who, of course, is having to answer all these other calls at the same time. So she keeps going back and forth between me and these other people and just coming back and making sure that I'm still good. Kudos to everybody that was involved. It was really great. I probably at this point don't get home until I believe almost 1130. I left, you know, eight-ish. And so here we are three, almost three and a half hours later before I even get back to my house. Elle's an hour away and there's still snow and ice everywhere. Yeah, so now I'm watching the interstate reports to figure out when it's safe for me to leave because now we're going to have to go through Ash's hometown to go to Detroit, which really in the grand scheme of things, it's about the same. Yeah, it's maybe like a seven minute difference. That wasn't part of the plan, obviously. So I Elle does not like deviating from the plan. Well, once I knew she was okay, then I was starting to have anxiety of like, oh, shit. If we don't get to Yumacon tonight, we lose our hotel room. Yes. Because that was a legit thing. Like, I actually called the Marriott, which they were very, very nice, were very helpful with this. And I explained to them that we just had a car accident. We are coming but it's going to be late when we get there. Please don't give our room away. And the lady was nice enough to like make sure that she put a note on her account. And she was like, 
you know, gave us the the back the backdoor secrets, like call at this time, you know, remind us that you are coming. We'll we'll try to save your room. I think it helped that I also did it with my Marriott Point account. You can actually check in on the app. So we did that to try to lock our room down. And we love Marriott. Sponsor us. Sponsor us. We always choose a Marriott. We did legit leave for Detroit. Still. Yep. That day, I had to drive the entire eight hours. Ashlyn is in so much pain. Yes. I'm heavily medicated at this point on over-the-counter medication. I have this huge bruise forming across my chest and across my face from both the airbag and the seatbelt, which thank goodness for both of those because right? without them I'd probably be dead. Like just being real here. I love that car. I'm sad it's gone. It served its purpose. It but, did. It did a good job. But I couldn't drive. Like between me being in pain and not being able to sit still and me, you know, worried about like possibly still having concussion and not being able to see quite as clear as I would like to, you know, just that stiffness from that sudden impact. And me having, like, PTSD over the fact that I was just in this horrific car accident where I totaled my vehicle. And now you have to be in a car for eight hours. And now I have to be in a car for hours and hours, which, of course, it rained or snowed the entire time we're so on the road. we have to add to the fact that, as I've mentioned, I have a joint disorder that doesn't like driving in a car for eight hours. My body will inevitably get exhausted and tight and uncomfortable i can't cruise no because of the ice snow and rain so i legitimately had to drive eight hours so by the time we get to detroit i can barely move so keep in mind that i need to do a very physical performance on saturday yeah this is okay i have to cover myself in kinesio tape to stabilize and get my muscles to relax so that I will be able to perform on Saturday. We go to bed on Thursday, we get up on Friday, and we realize, shit, we need to alter Ash's costume because now we can see where the bruising is actually going to be, and her costume is going to press right on the worst part of this injury. This particular garment, historically, you would have bound your chest for. I do not, of course, condone doing that unless you're using the proper devices for them. So I actually purchased a compression bra that I didn't get to wear because of my injuries. That being said, I didn't have anything that could quite compress my chest the way it was supposed to. So we were ripping seams and restitching things and adjusting straps. And we actually had quite a bit of work involved in just making sure that I could physically wear my costume and have it be comfortable for me to wear for an extended period of time with me being purple black and blue everywhere like I don't want to physically injure myself further from wearing a costume because this is cosplay it's supposed to be fun please no physical injury guys take care of yourselves first we're able to adjust it but we lost pretty much all of Friday because of that yeah but then we ran into another issue known as the Ren Center (laughs) Oh, goodness. If you've never been to the Ren Center in Detroit, Michigan, it is like an Escher painting gone wrong. Yeah, it is actually a very neat space from like an aesthetic standpoint. But if you're actually trying to like physically maneuver it, it's really confusing if you've never been there. There's no elevator. So the only elevator is like a tower in the center that goes up to the floors where people are staying. And since we were staying at the hotel across the street, we were not permitted to use them. 
what we had to use was this ridiculous maze of escalators that made no sense. So you had to like walk all the way around the building and then backtrack and then back the other way and then up and then we'd actually put our set in what kind of looks like a golf club suitcase. Yeah, for lack of a better term for it. We figured it would be great to fly with, that we'd be able to break it down and take it on a plane with us, but the entire set fit inside of this. We had planned on putting it on our little flatbed that we have and just rolling it up there, and then we find out that that's not humanly possible because not only do you only get to take escalators, they're extremely narrow escalators. Ashlyn can't carry this set with me, and I am not that strong. It was definitely, like, heavy. And it would have been heavy for anybody to carry for that long of a period of time. Like, I attempted to help, and it, we just kept having to stop because it hurt me. All the way to the top of the Ren Center so that we could set it up in the space that they gave us. We got that all done. And that was right before run-through, wasn't it? Yes, that At was that right point. before run-through. Also, super shout-out to my fam. Uh, yes. My fam, who I did not tell about the car accident until they got to Detroit. <laughs> so my parents and two of my siblings actually came to Yomacon because they knew we were competing in this international preliminary. Because I've kind of talked about like our end game and they do like to come watch us perform sometimes whenever we do stuff. And that's super cool. I love that we've got that kind of support structure. But they actually did assist in, you know... Because they didn't, after they found out, they were trying to fuss and didn't want me like bending over and pulling stuff out. So they insisted on actually putting some of the PVC pieces together themselves, which was pretty cool. Shout out to them for that. Shout out. Well, then we got to our uh, our run through, which went relatively okay. It was super smooth. Well, until my wig fell off. So yeah, until L turns around and the wig, which we had spent a lot of time very carefully, you know, planning and practicing with constantly. It, it's in pieces. Judar's wig is about as big as I am. It's a giant sort of like a braid bound together in a big tail that goes on the back. So what we did was we actually made a backpack wig. So it connects to a harness under my blouse. Backpack, 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 backpack. And there is a chain that runs through the middle that hooks all of the balls together, like a beaded necklace. And the balls are actually polyfill and satin with like a foam core. So they're very squishy and they're easy to move around. They don't, this wig weighs nothing. I mean, it's maybe 10 pounds, but it somehow defied physics. And the stopper that goes through the top ball fell through the main ball. So the tail ended up completely on the floor. Luckily, it did stay together, so it didn't roll away, thankfully. I didn't even notice no, that it happened. But physics-wise, said stopper should have never been able to fit through the channel in the main ball. Right. It had somehow gotten that, like, perfect angle where the stopper had turned vertical instead of horizontal and went through the channel. Right. Which it was still technically too big for. I don't understand how it, like, I legit, I, I, we haven't even been able, we can't replicate it either. We've tried. Yeah. I've tried to replicate it. I can't. So double shout out to the fam. Cause at that point I'm like, I got this. I go out to my parents and I say, I need the biggest key ring you have. Which worked, which worked great. So thanks dad. There was no way that key ring was getting through no. that. My biggest fear for this competition was my wig falling it's, off. And it happened at run through I right mean, before the show. I guess the blessing is though it happened and we were able to fix it before it could happen. That would have been awful. During the competition. Yes. But we finally survive. We get into these. 
We go to do the competition. We're on stage. Everything goes fine. We find out later that due to the lighting on the stage, none of our tricks showed up. All sorts of light up stuff. So we had this pagoda that lit up. We had this rock with these flowers that lit up. We had this butterfly in a jar that lights up. And apparently none of it read. No. Well, and the, the jar ended up not being on, which I'm still not quite sure how that happened. But it ended up not being on. On top of that, they didn't use the video, which we didn't realize wasn't a thing. One of the tricks for that didn't even play at all. We didn't get that trick other than we just got the line in the song. So none of our subtitles that we spent all that time working on, the video that I spent um, all that time learning how to, you know, reverse time on and changing the pace on, none of that work that we put into it actually ended up mattering for the preliminary because the videos did not play during the performances. We find all this out before they do awards because awards took a long time to get to. Not quite sure why because they do everything during the masquerade too it was our international preliminaries were happening at the same time which super shout out to all the people that we participated with that's probably one of the best green room experiences that was so much ever had and it really reminded me of why i like competing to begin with and i think that's where a lot of our talk about wanting to participate more and work less and have more fun play more essentially we'll call it play more thing for 2020 really came into play here because we wanted to make sure that we did this contest and you know gave it all all of its full attention but after that had probably intended on going back to doing more so what we were doing before. But now we're like, we definitely want to play more. Great experience. All the duo teams are hanging out and some of the solo people are hanging out with us too. And like everybody in the masquerade is like super serious. You can see them like on the outskirts of this room, just kind of like doing that thing that people do where they're not super sure about each other. And this is the one thing that I really like to break whenever we're participating is going and getting that interaction and getting people to relax and have fun. Um, And whenever, even when we're judging, like going and pumping up the attendees and, you know, telling everybody how awesome they are. And they're all just like kind of looking at us. Well, you could feel the difference in the energy between our little circle in the corner and the rest of the room. Yeah. So we actually like parked like right center in the middle of the room where there was nobody sitting and had like a dance party. <laughs> all in like big costumes and poofy skirts oh, and ball gowns and big wigs. It was, big wigs it was like props. a sleepover. We're all eating snacks, brushing each other's hair. Yes. Gossiping was, around. It really was. It was. We did have a sleepover. Like, it was basically like a sleepover just like whatever we don't care we're having a good time we're having a great time you know we found out that these things didn't work before the awards so at this point we're like well shit stressing about it a little bit but not too much because at this point we just had a great experience and right. we're everybody did a great job and we're like regardless of what happens like i'm so glad that we're here and we did this with you guys and we all went down to awards together they're getting ready to call awards and a bunch of the attendees for the regular masquerade had decided to go ahead and immediately after going on go sit in the audience well we came back and we're still kind of all chilling out together well then we decided when they go to do awards we're going to go ahead and go downstairs too but we all go as like a big group and we all sit together and it was just really nice it was it was very wholesome content it was super wholesome content and like some people we had already known but some people i'd only like seen online and hadn't really talked to right so we got some more friends out of that and that's that's always been my favorite thing about competing is the relationships that yeah. we build so. i mean this competition was a breath of fresh air yeah for us so kudos to the Yomakon International Preliminary staff. Everything that they did, the whole thing was super relaxing. Like despite like the stakes and the stress level like that we imposed upon ourselves right. somewhat. And of course, Murphy's Law. 
acting against us every single step of the way from costume construction to pieces, you know, trying to get things to go the way that we want them to, um, machines not working, having our trouble with the ordering for all of our supplies, you know, our technical difficulties that we were having. And even after we were there, you know, just the minor things that ultimately at the end of the day don't make or break anything. It was just everything compiled on top of each other. It's like, this is going to be like the craziest experience to talk about. And you're all probably wondering at this point, well, did you win or not? We are very pleased to be able to say that we are Team USA 2020 for ICL. The International Cosplay League. So we will be going to Madrid, Spain in September to represent the United States in an international contest. We are so excited and we are so humbled and so thankful for this opportunity. Like I cannot even express. We do have some really big shoes to fill. Um, Like we previously mentioned, um, Wigwig Cosplay, who is an amazing cosplay duo from Minnesota. If you don't follow them, you should. They actually were the ICL contestants for last year and they won the whole thing. It's to my knowledge, it's the first time the U.S. has ever placed first place in international cosplay competition history, essentially. And actually, last year was a great year for the U.S. all around as far as internationals go. We have a tough year to follow, but we really do. We'll do our best. And ultimately, we'll, you know, keep making those friendships and having fun. And we hope we do you guys proud. It's going to be a good time. I hope you follow our shenanigans. So we have some updates, obviously, that we need to make to this set. You know, the judges gave us really wonderful feedback. Also, super congrats to, like we said, Ganoza. Tentacle Grape is going to Cosplay World Masters. Our friends at Jewel Cat Cosplay, which is JC Cosplay and Meow Meow Cosplay, are going to C4 in June. You know, and internationals are one of those things, you know, you're not going to know if you can unless you try. Absolutely. It all depends on not just only you, but also what else shows up with you. But in the end, you want to focus on the good things and the friendships and the experience and not worry so much about what went wrong and what you would have rather had happen. When we went down for judging, like I said, regardless of what happened, I was very happy with the experience oh, yeah. that we had. So even if we hadn't won and even if we weren't Team USA and going to, like, I would have been super thrilled for other teams that were there to be going to Spain instead of us because everybody did such a great job and every they're all such good people. And that's what I just really love about competing in general. And now I'm excited we get to go make those kinds of relationships with people from other countries. We get to make international friendships. Yeah. It's going to be really exciting. And we get to learn about international cosplay communities. It's an adventure. It's It's an adventure. And I cannot wait. I can't wait either. We're so glad that you decided to join us for episode two. Thanks for sticking with us. Hope you join us next time for some more shenanigans. And to remind you, I'm Elle. I'm Ashlyn. We are Lobby Cosplay. And this is Shit Cosplayers Say. You've been listening to Shit Cosplayers Say, an LVC production. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Podcast SCS. Our website is lavicosplay.com. Have a fun, crazy con or cosplay-related story? Absurd cosplay question? or just something in general to share with us, email us at podcastscs at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, just because you can doesn't mean you should.